And oh yes, good morning to you. If you're just joining us today, this is GospelBellsReady.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage the contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's Monday, the 26th of June, 2023. The program is On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. You can follow Gospel Bells Radio on Twitter at Gospel Bells Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Olufemi OG. And our first story this morning, the first story we're engaging with this morning is from Premium Times, one of the online media uh, media platforms in Nigeria. And it's a report on the immediate past governor of Zamfara State. Now we have this headline, June 25, that's yesterday, 2023. It says, ex-governor accused of stealing billions of state funds donates 200 million naira for salary. Ex-governor accused of stealing billions of state funds and donate 200 million naira for salary. A former Nigerian state governor who is accused of stealing public funds while in office has donated. And I love how Premium Times put this report, putting the donate uh, the word donated in scarecrows as donated millions of naira to residents for salary celebrations. Belo Matawale, who lost his second term bid as Zamfara state governor, and left office on 29th May, is being investigated by the anti-graft agency EFCC for allegedly stealing billions of naira of state funds while in office. Apart from graft allegations, Mr. Matawale's government also failed to pay workers' salaries for three months. However, on Sunday, the state's chairman of the All Progressive Congress in a statement said the ex-governor donated 200 million naira to his supporters in the state for salary celebrations. And I think that's fine. The question that came to my mind the first time I saw this story was to ask the question, uh, why? Why uh, did they give uh, that much away for Salah? And, well, I find somebody out there will say, well, why not? Why not if he has the money and his religion compels him to show, uh, to give arms, especially during the Salah celebration, why should he not? And the but but the rational question is a person who stands accused, who is answering who is answering allegations of graft, should that person be out there showing that, well, yes, I have that kind of wealth with me? Because listen to it and, and I and I hope you agree with me, the person who is able to give two hundred million naira as salary gift, to just give it out. Uh, is the person who, in all uh, reasonable probability, has maybe times five, or at least times two, or times four, or times even times ten of that amount? It must really be uh, a charitable person, a godly person who has only say two hundred and ten million naira in his account, or only two hundred and fifty million in his account, and then he's able to give out two hundred million naira as seller gift so it's either this uh, gentleman is simply trying to to show that look i have i have so much as you guys suspect and i don't care it's either that on the one hand i have so much as you guys suspect i have and i don't care or he says well i have so much you guys are, are disturbing me and accusing me but i need to curry the favor of people i need to be good to people so that even if uh, if the law catches up with me, I would have the sympathy of people, or rather, I would have bought the I would have bought the loyalty of so many people. I, I may be wrong, but this is where my heart tells me that this is tending towards, and it is not unusual to find 
many people acting this way, as politicians especially, and human beings in general, they look at us, look, I've done something wrong, but you know what? Uh, the process of this crime, I need to use it to buy the favor of men so that even if the chips come down, then I can count on their loyalty. Some people even attempt to buy the loyalty of God that way. They've done something unlawful, something sinful, and then they, they think to themselves, look, I just need to curry the favor of God. I need to buy the favor of God. And, and that is why you find that, indeed, uh, many corrupt politicians, uh, corrupt politicians, dubious businessmen, and uh, many people who engage in sinful acts, you find them making huge donations to... The people who call themselves the men of God, eat donations to churches, eat donations to charitable causes. More often than not, there are people who are trying to who are trying to assuage their conscience. I'm aware, very, I'm very much aware that this ex-governor only stands accused. It has not been, it has not been proven uh, that he stole money, so he stands accused. And I want to emphasize that that this, that this is not proceeding on the basis that uh, that he has been convicted. He only stands accused. But uh, the person who shells out 200 million naira from his own pocket is the person who is telling the world that he has so much. I hope we all can agree with that. I think intellectual uh, honesty requires that we all agree with that. That the person who shells out 200 million naira, uh, giving it out for salad celebration, is the person who has uh, who has much more, who has much more. So meaning, meaning that uh, there may be sufficient reasons for uh, for for those who are who are accusing him of corruption to to do so. So why is he giving it? So I mean, let's be fair-minded, perhaps he's giving it because his religion compels him to do so, perhaps he's giving it because, well, he has so much and maybe he made it from legitimate source, but, you know, if he made it from a legitimate source, it wouldn't even be in the news. He would have been known as a billionaire before he became governor. He would have been known as uh, as a notable business person or a notable investor in one field or another, but it's not so known as a notable businessman or a notable, bus- or a notable investor. So I spoke, I spoke earlier on about what is probably the most rational explanation for this? It is trying to buy uh, the favor of people uh, before the chips come down. And if you remember the story of that unjust steward that our Lord told, the parable of the unjust steward that our Lord told in Luke 16, recorded in Luke 16, uh, the, he said there was a certain man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So, so you find some parallels here between this story, the story that, that we just referenced from Premium Times and the and the parable of the unjust steward. So th- th- there was an accusation, there was an accusation against this steward. And you know what he did? Instead of uh, I mean, knowing that the chips would come down, knowing that well his past would catch up with him, he went to his master's uh, customers and struck deals with them. He was generous to them, struck deals with them and said to them, look, the chips will probably come down. I need to have uh, a safe landing. I need to have a soft landing. If uh, you were owing my master, say, 100 million naira, now I'll just write it, say you are owing him 40 million naira. So I'm, I'm going to reduce your own liability as well. But you know, I rob your back, you rob my back. So I went, if the chips come down as they appear the world, uh, you must give me some soft landing. I can run to you and then for some accommodation. And then he went to a, a number of his master's uh, master's customers and struck uh, such deals with him. Of course, he was depriving the uh, the master of all that the master ought to have gotten. Uh, but of course, he was also edging his own bet and making sure that he would get a, safe, a, a soft landing uh, when eventually thrown out by the master. His master was pleased with him because his master must 
have been a very corrupt person. He was just pleased. Oh, this must be a very ingenious person. And the master was um, happy to get something out of the whole thing instead of losing out completely. But you see, as, as Jesus pointed out in that story, uh, that story only tells us of how the people of the world, how they think, how they reason, how they their mental model of, of approaching things. And uh, to my mind, that's exactly what is happening uh, with this ex-governor from Zamfara State and indeed with many politicians who, when they stand accused of corruption, then they become so uh, charitable, they become so generous and they are giving out gifts. And uh, from Christian perspective, we know that the why of giving, the why, the why of giving matters as much as the giving itself. Did our Lord not uh, severally mention that that the why, the reason why you are doing something is as important to God as the doing of the thing itself. The reason why you are praying is as important to God as the prayers you are offering. Because as our Lord taught us, there are people who pray just so that they may, they may be seen by men as praying. And there are people who give gifts just so that they may be seen by men as giving gifts. There are people who give gifts just so that uh, they may buy uh, a soft landing for themselves. And in all cases where uh, things are done, not for the glory of God, where things are done, not for the glory of God, where things are done, not in the name of Jesus, not in pursuance of the glory of Jesus or, or the pursuance of the glory, uh, the pursuance of, of uh, the fulfillment of any of the commandments of our Lord. In, in all such cases, our Lord uh, teaches uh, that those acts are not acceptable. They are not acceptable before him. So uh, I think this this story gives us an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to be reminded, to be reminded that the why, the reason for doing things, the reason is as important to God as the doing of the thing itself. And I mean, we do not stand in a place of judgment. We do not have uh, a hundred percent view of the heart of this ex-governor. So we cannot state categorically that, oh, this is the reason why he's doing it. But we can draw, we can draw reasonable conclusions. Look at all the sides to this story. Draw reasonable conclusions. And I think the reasonable uh, conclusion leads to, to suggesting that uh, this is a person who has so much wealth beyond what he can explain. That is number one. Who stands accused? Who still has questions to answer? And then who is giving out who is giving out more than generous gifts? Who is giving out outlandish gifts? Who is giving out uh, gifts that uh, that gifts that buttress the point that he has much more than he should have? And the only the only place that points to is the place of those who try to curry favors with the public, who try to curry favors with uh, with those in 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 positions of authority, so that uh, they may get a soft landing after their after their sins, their crimes, and their ungodly actions. And every time I point to this parable of the unjust steward, I recall what our Lord said uh, should be our own relationship with the unjust mammon, the unrighteous mammon. And that's the way the Lord described uh, money in that way. And, and I always emphasize this. I say to, to the Christian, to the Christian community, money should be seen not as the all-in-all. All. Uh, for a long time, uh, our, uh, for a long time, 
church leaders and elders, I think, made that uh, unfortunate, unfortunate, came up with that unfortunate statement, perhaps all in good faith. They said it in good faith, but not the best uh, statement of all. And they say that um, money is the vehicle for evangelism, for missions. And in a sense, we understand what they meant by saying that if we want to reach the unreached, if we want to carry out the Great Commission, indeed, we need resources, we need money. And that is true. And when the Lord said, bring all the tithes so that there may be meat in my house, it includes that there may be resources to carry out my instructions in my house. So uh, in that light, yes, that is when it's correct that money is the vehicle uh, for evangelism. But we know that, in fact, in fact, the vehicle for evangelism is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit so much so that uh, even in the absence of resources, the Holy Spirit would... would uh, would ensure that the work of God is done. And the biblical proof of that is to look at what our Lord said to the disciples when he sent them out on evangelism. He said, take take nothing with you. Don't even take a second uh, tonic. Don't even put food in your bag. Say, just go. Just go. I will be with you and I will provide for you. If you, need to, if you need to ask for anything, go to any house and ask. If they give it to you, accept it joyfully. If they do not give it to you, depart from there. But you just go. And the disciples went that way, not taking anything with them. And did they not, uh, did they not return with rejoicing, with great stories of the glory of God? It is, it is that kind of faith that we do not have anymore in the Christian church. Unfortunately so. The faith that says uh, the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will lead us. We are not going to ask for money through ungodly means. We're not going to make it all about money. We're just going to depend on God, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this kind of message that many people will scoff out today and say, mm, you better stop. You better be realistic. You better be realistic. And then the point, say, look, there are some Christian ministries who are trying to do missions and they just can't do anything because they don't have the resources. But look at those who have resources. They are doing fantastic things. And I say, look, what are the fantastic things? The things you see on radio, on TV, and on social media. Uh, what is truly fantastic is what the God, what the Lord calls fantastic. Uh, we mentioned on one episode of on the Lord's side, not in, in the recent past, that as the Bible teaches, the works we present to God may not turn out to be what we think they are. You may think that your works are excellent and beautiful, and then, but they'll be tested by fire. They'll be tested by fire as Paul wrote, and then when they are tested, we'll see what remains. So, what remains. so, so it is possible to find those we think have done have done great and fantastic evangelistic work in this in this world for them to present their works to God and when it is tested by fire to be seen as 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 near nothing and for those who we think are not doing anything fantastic it is possible that when the work is tested by fire the the work comes out as gold as gold. So uh, the the parable of the unjust reward reminds us of what our relationship be with money. God, Jesus called money the unrighteous mammon. I think another way to put it is just to call it a necessary evil. You need money for a number of things, but uh, Jesus thought there that the people of the world they are wise in their own ways. They use the unrighteous money, you know, to buy themselves opportunities, to buy themselves, uh, to buy themselves gateways, to buy, buy themselves soft landings. But those of us who are lost, that we should use money to do what to buy treasures in heaven. And the only way to buy treasures in heaven, to invest in heaven, is to is to do what to use money for the good of others, to be charitable with it for the sake of Christ, not for the sake of buying some comfort for yourself 
because that unjust steward did not give the accommodations to those customers just because he wanted to help them. No, he gave it to them because he wanted to buy his uh, soft landing for himself. So our own relationship with money should be to use it, to give it out, to to invest in treasures in heaven by giving it out to those who are in need, by giving not giving it out to the brothers and sisters of Christ. Remember, the anybody in need you come across is the brother and sister of Christ in need. Give it out for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ, because Christ uh, demands it from you. So this story is still there, and I think we have not heard the last about that former governor of Zamfara State. Again, I repeat that we are not rushing to conclusion that is guilty of corruption. That is yet to be proven by the court. But even as the story stands now, we can learn from that story that the why, the reason for giving gift is as important as the gift itself. If it turns out that uh, this man has been giving out what belongs to him lawfully, oh, all beautiful. Uh, if it turns out that that is not the case, uh, then this lesson stands. In any case, the lesson stands that the reason for giving is as important as the gift itself. And I do pray that if any one of us out there, if any one of us on the Lord's side is doing anything other than for the glory of God, that the Holy Spirit will correct such a one and not uh, allow that person to linger on the long on the wrong road any longer. And next, I want to go to this story, uh, which is quite a sad story. I came across this story. This is a story from the United States. Uh, according to the blog where I came across this, it says, Pastor said to be charged with several felonies after reportedly shooting wife in front of her children in the U.S. After reportedly shooting wife in front of her children in the U.S. And as I read the story, you are going to find how it illustrates the, the title we are giving to this segment of the program, saying that pictures don't tell the story. Uh, it, is not, it is not unusual for many people to look at social media, look at the pictures of their friends or pictures of strangers and say to themselves, everybody has his life together except me. Everybody has, their, uh, everybody has his life or a life, you know, moving in the right direction except me. In fact, there are studies, I do not have access to the studies right now, but just do a search on Google. You'll find there are studies suggesting that uh, visiting social media pages, consulting social media, often lead uh, people to depression. Uh, many people get into depression because uh, they visit social media pages. You know why? Uh, they see the they see the account of their friends, of their acquaintances, or even of strangers. They see wonderful pictures of people doing fantastic or doing beautiful things or being in beautiful places. Or just be, and they get into depression, uh, thinking to themselves, look, uh, everybody, is, everybody has his life together. Everybody has a life together except me. Uh, that that's uh, that's not a wise a wise thing to do. But this, but studies suggest that there are many people who are falling into depression on, on account of that. I want to read this story. It says a Louisiana pastor, that's a city from the United States, in New Orleans, United States. A Louisiana pastor, Danny Prenel, who is 25 years old, is accused of shooting his wife, Gabrielle Prenel, who is 27, in front of their three children at a Hampton Inn hotel. It is reported that he turned the gun on himself on Wednesday around 3 p.m. 
Two days before the tragic incident, Danny and Danny and Prenel posted on his Facebook page. He appeared to share that uh, the page with his wife, and he posted a photo of the two of them along with their three young children. He tagged the location as Hampton Inn Suite, and he wrote uh, as a caption to that picture: "I may not be a perfect man, but I will, I will always be a family man." He stated there. And we read here that the, the woman was airlifted from Southwest Mississippi Regional Medical Center to another university teaching hospital in, in, New, in New Orleans. The man himself is said to be in stable condition. And once he's released from the hospital, police said he would be charged with several, with several, with several felonies. Police said they're investigating the incident as a domestic violence incident. The children are now under the custody of Child Protective Services. Danny, that's the man, is a pastor at Bright Morning Star Missionary Baptist Church. So this is a pastor. Uh, it's a pastor at Bright Morning Star Missionary Baptist Church. And he posted often on Facebook about self-growth. According to this report. And according to what he says, a week prior to that, Danny posted on his wife's birthday, calling her my queen. And the woman that I love and owe my life to. So a man who a week before shooting the wife called the wife, posted on the on social media a picture of his beautiful wife calling her my my queen and the woman that I that I owe my life to. Uh, the same man then turned a gun on her, shot her several times before turning the gun on himself. Now the much of the story we know is only is only that. He turned the gun on himself that he shot his wife. We do not know exactly what happened. Uh, somebody will say, oh, did the wife provoke him? But we say, look, what sort of provocation would lead a sane person in the first place, a sane human being, and more than that, a Christian person, and more than that, uh, somebody who puts himself forward as a pastor, what sort of provocation will lead to you pulling out a gun and shooting your wife in front of your children or before turning, uh, turning the gun on yourself? I mean, one of the pictures posted by this gentleman before the incident, this one on, on April 6th, they post, I see the picture of the woman, of the wife, you know, in, uh, in a blue dress, and then the picture of one of their children. And, and this, this person who stands accused of shooting the wife wrote, saying, today is not just a regular day in the Prenel household. Today is a day where we celebrate two birthdays. First, let me say to my queen, my wife, the woman that I love and owe my life to, I love you so much, and I'm grateful to God I'm grateful God has allowed you another year. I've watched your growth all around. So he wrote no, no flattering things about his wife. But then the same man, uh, about weeks later, then shot her uh, several times, obviously intending to kill her. She, she, uh, she did not die, and we pray that she will not die, although this report says that she's in critical, she's in critical condition. Pictures don't tell the story. You must have had this. You must have had this said over and over again that uh, pictures tell. Ah, I can't. I can't but, but you must know it. So something very popular like that pictures uh, tell a thousand stories, or pictures uh, tell stories better than words. Something like that, and it's so true because uh, if you were just to say something. I say, oh, they are, oh, that couple, they're just fantastic together. They're a great couple. Uh, it is different from seeing uh, the couple together, maybe in a video or in, in, in a picture. When you see the picture, you suppose, wow, this is the very epitome of, of love. Uh, this is the, this is the uh, very depiction of love, of, of, uh, of unity in a family. 
But over and over again, many stories uh, on social media have proven that that is not the case. That is not always the case. You find people who have been who, who have fantastic pictures on their social media pages, and then you just wake up one day and learn that oh, they are they're getting divorced, or you learn or, or a scandal breaks into the open. People are people are taken aback and say, "What really can that be?" Of course, I've been seeing their their great pictures. I've always thought that they had it all together. And again, I, I want to go back to where we started from, saying that if indeed studies are showing that many people fall into depression because of the pictures they see on social media, it should not be people on the Lord's side. People on the Lord's side should not be among those who see pictures of others and then fall into depression. Indeed, the Apostle Paul wrote saying that they are not wise who compare themselves with others. In the first place, you are not, you are not to compare yourself with others. In the second place, you are just supposed to pursue your own road and make sure that you're on the Lord's side, you're doing your own thing, trusting God that God is leading you in your own time, in your own season, and that no purpose of God for your life will be thwarted as long as you remain on his side. And again, for us to at least in some way just place less emphasis on on letting the world know how things are. In fact, me, I have a theory, may not be a correct theory, that the more you... Uh, the more you want to let people know how great you are, how beautiful things are with you, how fantastic things are going for you, the more likely that things are not really going fantastically well, that you're not really pleased with yourself. Because there's a, there's, there's a place called you know self-satisfaction. If you are satisfied with your life, uh, not that you don't have needs, not that you don't have aspirations, but you are satisfied that oh, God is leading me, um, you are just at peace with God, then you have no... You you're not, you not under any pressure to let the world know that everything is well. I do not know whether, I, whether I've expressed it very well, but, but the point is, if everything is truly well, uh, then you're not under pressure to, to shout it from the rooftop. See how fantastic we are, how beautiful we are. Everything is well with us. We are just the best in the world. And so uh, psychologists will agree on this point that the more people try to let people know that everything is well with them, uh, the more likely it is that things are not uh, really well with them. Again, it is not sufficient for any one of us to read, uh, to hear what a person has said, to, to see a picture and to say that all is well. Pictures never tell the whole story. The art of man is so deep. One of the abiding quotes from the movie Titanic that I have with me is one uh, said by the woman who told the story uh, depicted in that movie. At the end of the movie, the interviewer, and, and, and see, I mean, it came to me very shockingly because the interviewer asked her, said, look, this story, did you ever tell it to the, to the husband you eventually married in the United States? And she said, no. Can you imagine that uh, somebody, uh, as a young girl, went through such a life-changing uh, event while being on the Titanic? She survived it, uh, met the love of her life, who, who unfortunately died in that tragedy. And of course, she went on with her life, got married later on in the U.S., and she never told the story to her husband. The husband, at the time of the movie, had died. And she said something. She said, a woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. It's a deep ocean of secrets. It's not just a woman's heart. Every human being's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. You only get to know that which the person wants you to know. You only get to know that which the Lord wants you wants you to uh, wants you to know. So we must always uh, we, we must always be conscious of that and not be led into depression by looking at the fantastic pictures and videos of other people on the one hand. And second, yeah, this on the Lord's side should aim for a healthy life. 
life, healthy marriage, healthy relationships, healthy spiritual life, rather than aiming to show how healthy their lives are. I'm not saying if you if you have a healthy life, yes, proclaim it for the right purpose, uh, but aim to uh, to have a healthy relationship with with men, with with your friends, with your acquaintances, and of course with your spouses and your family members, and ultimately with God. Aim for that rather than aiming to show as if you have such a healthy relationship. We do not know exactly what went wrong between that pastor and his wife. We do not know exactly what went wrong. So uh, we cannot we cannot conclude in its entirety, but just to draw uh, to draw that lesson. That lesson can be drawn uh, that pictures never tell the full story. Pictures never tell the full story. And okay, the, the next story we have tagged in vain of social media bios and new ways Christian now call God's name in vain. Now, you know you know of that commandment, of course, one of the commandments given to the people of Israel and to God's people, thou shalt not call the name of the Lord your God in vain. Many people have tried to understand what that commandment means. Does it mean that you should not swear? Of course, that's part of what it means. It means that when you're not meaning to call on God, don't call on him, don't call his name in vain. It, it, it means don't swear in his name. It also means don't uh, don't bear false witness in his, in his name. You cannot say, oh, trust me, God is my witness i did this when you're actually lying uh you're calling his name in vain now that's another way that it, it appears that people are uh, christians are calling the god's name in vain in vain rather you find people who are doing ungodly things putting in their social media bios the name of god the name of jesus and i i, I recall that one of my friends uh we, we got into this conversation recently and we had a good laugh because we were saying to ourselves that look sometimes you look at people's bios uh bios means like you know a short bios is the short form for biography on on social media because many social media handles whether it's twitter or instagram and I think Facebook, I don't usually use Facebook, but if I, on many social media handles, you are invited to describe yourself, uh, maybe in just in two sentences or so. Uh, so you can say that, oh, if you're a doctor, oh, medical doctor, something or something, just describe yourself, medical doctor, married man, proud proud husband, proud father. So people use all sorts of things to describe themselves, and some people are as creative as could be. In fact, there is a, there is a discipline devoted copywriters devoted to helping you to craft uh, the the right bios for your social media and to get as many followers as possible but that but but that's an aside the point is you find uh, my friend and I were discussing this about some some weeks ago and say that you find on many people's bios the name of Jesus and I'm sorry that I'm, I want to pick on the women folk very briefly so you know so you find many women although the story we're going to tell is the story of a man but you find some ladies, you know, you find them Jesus baby, Jesus girl, sold out to Jesus in their bios. And uh, in addition to other things, you can you can find oh medical doctor, Jesus baby, sold out to Jesus, mother of three, mother of this, or Jesus baby. But you find the name of God in many people's bios, many Christians' uh, bios on social media nowadays. But then you look on the page, and what do you find? You find things that well. In all reasonable, uh, 
submission will not glorify God. If you can find on the page of somebody who dresses most provocatively, who reveals uh, who receive who reveals body parts that a Christian uh, should not. Uh, you find that person that they find as Jesus' baby. And of course, you know, nowadays people push back and say, look, don't judge me by my dressing. Don't judge me by the by the way I look. Don't judge me by the songs I dance to. You know, and many things like that. But, but the Bible is clear about all these things. Uh, the point I'm just trying to make is that you find on many social media bios the name of Jesus, people identifying with God. Uh, some people even write God-fearing, God-fearing, uh, God-fearing trader, God-fearing baker, God-fearing this, God-fearing that, God-fearing a wife or somebody, God-fearing this and that. Anyway, uh, the story that has led us to this consideration is the story uh, titled by this blog. It says, Activist shares the DM she received from a Jesus-loving married man who wanted them to see and chill. Of course, DM refers to a direct message. So this is essentially saying that a man who in his bio has the name of Jesus there reached out to her in a private message in a, in a private box on a social media platform and invited her to say, Look, let's see and chill, let's see and chill together. So, in essence, this activist is saying, Look, I, I got a message in my in my private box on this social media platform, and I see a man who in his bio is described as loving Jesus and has been married, inviting me that we should come and chill. Uh, come and chill. And I want to read this. This is what this person wrote. Uh, the name of the so-called activist is Oluwa Tosin Delight. She wrote, say, I don't like posting DMs because I respect boundaries and privacy. I've gotten so many ridiculous DMs, that's direct messages. But the reason why I put this out there is because the matter is trending today. How will you boldly put married on your bio and still be requesting we chill out? See bio now, Jesus and married. That's what the person wrote. And, and this person uh, put a screenshot of the, of the other person's bio in this, in this post. So as part of the description of this, this person put in his bio on social media, Jesus in capitals, J-E-S-U-S, then married, then man united, then work with media firm. Follow me. I follow 99.9%. So uh, this is a person who, who puts, first and foremost, as describing himself, the name of Jesus in capital letters. And this, this activist wrote saying, I intentionally put this out here today. Coincidentally, such is trending today. If I post frequently according to the type of DMs I get on this app, it might look like I'm chasing clout. And then again, this lady posted the exact message that this Jesus-loving married man sent to her. Okay, maybe we get to see and chill out one of these days. And she will see for what? Aren't you married? He said, I am. What about you? You are married and you want us to see? See for what exactly? Now, I mean, that, that, that's a screenshot of a portion of the, of the discussion they, 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 they had. And that's a challenge to all of us who are clearly identified with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you identify with Jesus in the public space, 
uh, social media, I suppose that we must always be conscious that we also have a duty, a duty to reflect his righteousness and his glory in all our interactions on that on that uh, media platform and, and in fact everywhere else. I think it's just another way uh, by which many Christians now call the name of God in vain. You call the name of God in vain for, for what purpose? Uh, to identify with him and then you bring him and ridicule to his name. Now, this is not to deride this man. Of course, we, we have to we have to call him out uh, for not uh, for of course for bringing ridicule to the name of Jesus Christ. But then it's it's exhortation to all of us. It's exhortation to all of us that when we are clearly identified with Jesus Christ, we do not want to give anyone the occasion to say, "Can you say uh, this person calls himself a Christian? This person calls himself this, calls himself that." But see uh, what he's doing. See what he's inviting me to do. See what he's inviting me to do. In fact, I would suppose that those who put the Christ label, who put the label of God and Jesus on their social media platforms, will then be cautioned. Will then be cautioned from engaging in things that are unrighteous and and ungodly. And that's the exact way it should work. I suppose that's exactly which you walk. That so I'm not against people putting Jesus baby, Jesus uh, sold out to Jesus uh, on the media platform on my own uh, Twitter platform as well. While I don't uh, have Jesus baby and all that, I want to read my platform. I says law and then Christian talk radio host. So I mean, by putting Christian talk radio, that's identified with Jesus uh, sufficiently. So you don't want to say something on social media. You don't want to write something on that platform or send a message to somebody, and that person goes to your Twitter bio and sees Christian talk radios and then says to himself, "How can it be? How can somebody who uh, who apparently does uh, Christian work be also talking to me in this fashion?" So. I'm not against people identifying with God and Jesus and Christianity on the bios, but I suppose that when we do that, it should then caution us on the things we can say and the things we are not allowed to say on this media platform because otherwise that would amount to taking the name of the Lord in vain. And next, and next, we came across this story. This story is from the US, and it says, My husband got an erism and I bec- and became a different person, so I divorced him. I divorced him. An Ohio woman who has been labeled self centered after divorcing her husband because she felt his brain aneurysm turned him into a different person. She wrote saying, People say I, I abandoned him, that I deserted him when, when he needed, needed us most. This 39-year-old uh, person said, said, people online are pretty mean. So this is a woman who, uh, the husband had something close to, uh, to, uh, to what, would you, what we call is like a bust uh, vein in the brain. And that's a very critical condition. When a when vein bursts in the brain, that's a critical condition, almost uh, like almost like a stroke and a very a debilitating, a debilitating condition indeed. And this person wrote saying that that happened to her husband and the husband became a different person. Of course, he will become a different person. And if you see the story, the picture of the husband, you see the husband, uh, you see their picture before before the health 
the earth tragedy and the picture afterwards of of course it became bedridden it became almost uh, inevitable of sorts and she said well i divorced them because it became a different person by saying different person it did it, she uh it did not mean that it changed in his behavior she meant that well it was no longer the vibrant healthy person that she married According to this report, the mother of two had reportedly met her husband, Matthias, in 2004. While, then, uh, while the man was studying in the U.S., they wed the following year and embarked on what she described as a happy relationship. She, according to her, uh, the other one was bubbly, he was optimistic, he was, very, he was a warm-hearted person. And that both of them were invested in it and they worked on it. All was going well until 2015 when Matthias suffered a nearly fatal brain aneurysm, a bulging blood vessel in the brain burst and while he was while, while he was at work. Of course, he was rushed to the hospital. The surgeons had to remove part of the patient's skull because his brain wouldn't fit inside his head. So, uh, okay, so what happened was part of his brain okay, so it, it became swollen. And so... Uh, he came swollen, and they had to remove part of his skull so that uh, the brain would fit inside his head. And that's a very horrible condition, and, and our sympathies are with him, our prayers are with, with him, and with anybody who is suffering from any condition like that. May the grace of God be sufficient for them. May his healing reach him. And then this one wrote that she was so excited when he woke up, and we were so thrilled. However, the joy, the joy soon fizzled out after she noticed that her husband seemed to have undergone a drastic personality change following the ordeal. It was hair, but not really. Physically hair, but, but staring through and not aware of his surroundings. I mean, I mean long story short, this, uh, this lady's husband had a health, uh, a health situation and became almost an invalid, it became lost weight and could not really relate with her again. It was only staring into space. And according to her, uh, she divorced him because uh, the man became a different person. Now, nobody should be, nobody should ever rush uh, to the conclusion of saying, oh, what, what, oh, what a fickle woman. Oh, what a fickle woman. I would never do that. As the Yoruba said, Yoruba say that, uh, I want to say this by integer meaning that it is a person who has not been tested who says I will never fall in my you know who says I will never fall even the psalmist wrote it saying that I said in my eyes I will never be shaken uh, I do pray that your faith will not be tested in this manner that your commitment to anyone or any relationship will not be tested in that manner uh, I haven't said that I haven't said that we should approach this with all humility uh, still we must point out that the call in, in a Christian marriage is for better for worse until death do us part. And there is no uh, greater test of a person's loyalty than uh, to have to care for, uh, for, for a partner who is ill, who is ill. Any, anyone who has gone through that uh, must know that, that that's one of the most, most challenging, most challenging thing to go through in life. But I do pray that anyone going through that will receive the grace to stand firm, we receive the grace to stand strong, we receive the grace to, to stand true to the oaths and the vows that uh, he or she made before God and before God's people. The reason why I'm bringing this up is again to illustrate how uh, the 
the secular world thinks and how how people who are the Lord's that should think. Uh, we are called to be peculiar. We are a peculiar people. Peculiar means uh, different, different, even strange, even strange. So uh, even when people of the world, even when secular culture would say, look, you have done all that you can. So it's it's understandable. The secular culture would just want to say, look, it's understandable because, yeah, this person has become a different person. Maybe he doesn't even recognize it. Or maybe I uh, cannot be to you all the things he promised to be to you at the time that he got married. So you are justified in letting him go. Or you are justified in letting her go. You must be reminded that we are peculiar. We are not called we are not called to be such people. We are called uh, to be people who are faithful to God and who take the oath we take before God and his people uh, seriously. I do pray for this gentleman that uh, that the lost miracle will reach him because as we know, nothing is impossible for God. No condition is too difficult for him to reverse and to make positive. I pray the grace of God will reach him that by some miracle he will regain back his full health. And I do pray that anybody going through a situation like that will receive grace to stand firm to the end and not turn his or her back on the person that he or she has promised to to love and to take care to that do them part. Again, I pray that we none of us will be tested in that way and that the grace of God will be more than sufficient for us in Jesus' name. Amen. For our wise words today, I came across this uh, recently on, on Twitter from the pastors and theologians I follow on Twitter. It says, sin never satisfies and is never satisfied. You have to think about that. Sin never satisfies, and it's never satisfied. And that's so true. You think that, oh, let, let me just engage in this sin. I'm going to get it out of my system. You find that it never satisfies you. You want to more and more of it. And sin, again, is never satisfied. Sin says, just, just commit it once. Just do it once. And I, I won't ask it of you again. But it's never sin is like the grave. Go to the graveyards and you'll wonder, look, what death? What is your problem? See the many people you have consumed since the beginning of the age aren't you satisfied but like the grave sin is never satisfied always asking for more and also it never satisfies i pray the god the lord will give you grace and give me grace as well to rise above sin in jesus name amen thank you very much for joining us today for another episode of on the lord's side i look forward by the grace of god to join you again tomorrow whatever you do please remain firmly on the lord's side you are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ.